0: You're listening to 3 and 30, Episode 6, Three Messages of Hope for the Darkest Times. Hi everyone, welcome to 3 and 30, Podcast for Moms. No intro music this week because I just couldn't quite play that cheerful intro music for the topic that we're going to have for our podcast today. It's going to be different, it's going to be more personal, but I hope that it will be helpful to someone out there. So this past week, I was on my way to meet up with some of my best friends in Texas when I got a heartbreaking, life-altering phone call. I just finished my first flight when I turned on my phone during my layover in Phoenix and I saw a text that made my world stand still. Some of you know that my son Noah is adopted and we have an amazing open adoption with his birth parents. Uh, we know, even know many of their extended family and friends, and that day on the airplane, I saw a text from one of those friends saying that she was there for me if I wanted to talk, and that she loved me. This was so out of nowhere that I immediately knew something was wrong, and I started to panic. My first thoughts went to my son's birth mother, Katie. She has struggled with episodes of extreme depression for the past several years. I frantically texted and called Katie and when those went straight to voicemail, my dread only grew. And then the phone calls from family started coming and my worst fears were confirmed. Our beautiful Katie, the girl who had given my son life and who had made me a mother was gone. She had suffered horribly and her life ended tragically and when I think about either of those facts, it's more than I can bear. Katie and I were very close from the moment that she called me and asked me if I wanted to adopt her baby. I was driving home from work that day, and I'll never forget her tentative voice on the other end of the line saying that she was 16, that she'd seen my adoption profile and that she want- she was pregnant and she wanted to know if I wanted to adopt her baby. I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was so overcome with emotion, obviously. And um, I spent about an hour talking to her and learning about her and falling in love with her. Um, She was 16 at the time, as I mentioned, and she'd heard about our desire to adopt from my mother-in-law's family Christmas card, of all places. Um, Her father is my mother-in-law's cousin, But we had never met before, um, before we connected about the adoption. Throughout the course of her pregnancy, we exchanged dozens and dozens of emails and letters. She invited me to be at the 20 week ultrasound and at Noah's birth. I was honored to be at her side in the delivery room and watched in awe as she bravely brought that precious little bundle into the world. She insisted that I be the first person to hold Noah. And we have priceless photos of me sobbing as I hold him in my arms for the first time and then show him to a selfless, courageous birth mother. I sobbed back in that hospital room and I sobbed again in that airport in Phoenix as the grief of her passing rose and pulsed and overwhelmed me. She'd become part of our family over Noah's six years of life coming to visit us for many birthdays and holidays, and it felt unimaginable that she wouldn't be there anymore. She and I were actually planning to record a podcast together this next week because November is National Adoption Month. Our last texts were about how excited she was to share some of the lessons that she'd learned about love from placing Noah for adoption. It feels like such a loss that her words will never be recorded here, that you'll never get to hear from her directly. I know she very much wanted to share her story. Fortunately, I have those letters that she wrote. So these last few days have been a blur of grief. And as I contemplated airing this week's episode, it just didn't seem right to not say anything about this loss in my life to just go on with these episodes as if it's business as usual around here. And as I thought about it, I realized that we all have these world-stopping moments and seasons of grief in our lives. For all of us, the specific trials will be different. The death of a loved one, the betrayal of a spouse, incredibly painful medical diagnoses or mental health challenges, the, the disability of a child, The list goes on, but we will all face these dark times. And how do we get through those times and hang on to hope? It can be so difficult. So I decided that for today's podcast, in honor of Katie, I want to share three takeaways that are messages of hope and all three I learned during the adoption process as we waited for Noah to be born. They're phrased in the form of different scriptures that I found during those years when we were waiting for Noah, that I feel strongly that the messages of these scripture verses are universal, whether or not you're religious. So whether you're struggling with infertility like I did, or mental health challenges like Katie did, or the death of a loved one like I and all of Katie's loved ones are right now, or a trial that's completely different, I hope that this episode will give you some messages of hope as you carry on. And if you're currently in a season of hope and joy, maybe you can pass this along to someone who you know is suffering, or you can save it for later when you may be facing dark days of your own. The first message of hope that I want to share comes from Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. When I started infertility treatments, we started adoption, the adoption process at the same time. We knew that both of those avenues might take a long time, and we didn't really care where our baby came from. We just wanted to be parents, and we put it in the hands of God, which one would work first. Looking back, though, that was two very difficult things to be doing at the same time, the fertility treatments and the adoption process. Um, I remember months of invasive tests, hormone pills that made me feel unstable, sitting on those cold tables by myself in the doctor's office as the most private and sacred parts of my body were examined and poked and prodded. Month after month, we had failed intrauterine inseminations. I had an ectopic pregnancy. I had surgery. And all the while, we were also getting contacts from expectant moms who were considering adoption. This is a part of the adoption process that people who haven't gone through it may not realize happens. That throughout the process, you're contacted by different mothers who are considering adoption and you get to know them you grow to love them and then sometimes they make a different choice which is their right but it can still be very hard and devastating month after month to get these contacts and to wonder if this is the if this is it if this is the baby um and then to find out that no it's not so between the fertility treatments and the adoption ups and downs This was a very dark, hard time for me that year. We were chosen by several birth moms to adopt and then they changed their minds. Um, We never actually had a baby in our arms, which I'm so grateful for because that must be the most excruciating pain and some couples do go through that. But um, in the weeks prior to the delivery the birth moms decided that they wanted to parent or they chose a different couple. And I remember that the third time that this happened that a birth mom changed her mind. Um, It was like a last straw for me. I just cried and cried and cried. And I climbed into bed and I remember consciously deciding not to pray. I was angry I felt done I didn't understand why This righteous desire in my life Wasn't being answered And I frankly was mad about it And I was not going to pray that night And I just got into bed And I cried myself to sleep The next day I didn't go to work I journaled I slept I spent time with my best friend And then the day after that I felt a little bit better. I went to work, I pressed forward, I kept hope, kept doing the treatments, kept doing the adoption contacts. And six weeks after that really dark night where I decided not to pray, I was contacted by Katie, Noah's birth mom. Just six weeks after that day. And six months after that, I held my baby boy for the first time. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes in our lives, there are seasons of night and often they don't just last one night. They may It may be days, weeks, months, even years, but eventually joy does return. Weeping ends and joy comes in the morning. The second message of hope that I wanted to share comes from Isaiah 61, verses one and three. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to give unto them beauty for ashes. I love that scriptural phrase, to give unto them beauty for ashes. And it's something that I feel like is captured perfectly by adoption. That sometimes something that is so difficult and so hard, infertility or an unexpected pregnancy, um, both of those things can be made beautiful um, through the adoption process. At least that was the case in our family. And talking to Katie and Drew's mothers um, back when Katie first contacted us, I realized that they definitely understood this principle and believed it for their kids. So that phone call that I had with Katie in the car, um, after I talked to her, she asked if I wanted to talk to her mom. So I realized that her mom had been sitting next to her the whole time that she'd made this call and that she and I had talked, which is so fitting because what mother wouldn't want to be sitting there during that important phone call? So Katie handed the phone to Elizabeth, her mother, and I remember being so impressed by the way that Elizabeth talked about Katie. She told me about her, her strength and determination. There was love in her voice as she talked about some of the struggles that Katie had had. And said that she'd been through some tough obstacles already in her 16 years. And that this pregnancy would probably be the longest and the toughest trial yet. But she said, I know she will get through it because she is strong and she is brave. And at the end, there'll be a beautiful baby boy who's a blessing to so many families. Elizabeth understood beauty for ashes. And she believed in her daughter and she believed that that could be the case even though this teen pregnancy was not expected. I was struck by that at the time and I continue to be struck by that support from, uh, from a mother for a daughter. And it wasn't just Elizabeth, it was also Noah's birth dad's mother as well. We've been so blessed to be close to Drew, Noah's birth dad. As well as Katie it's really unusual in the adoption world to be in touch with both birth parents um, but we've been very close to Drew and his family so when we flew out to Utah for the 20-week ultrasound that was the first time that we met Drew and we met his mother so we went to pick him up we were gonna take them to dinner and um, Katie and drew to dinner and um, Shayna opened the door his mom And she welcomed us in with huge hugs. She had us sit down in the living room. And she had um, Drew's siblings stay in the room. So it was really, it felt like very much a family gathering. That they were all there to support Katie and Drew. And she talked to us about the situation. And just like Elizabeth I was struck by how warmly she talked about drew and how much she loved him and how funny and good and kind he is and i remember he's 17 year old kid you can imagine he's just blushing shyly um as his he hears his mom praising him and um she went on to say how much they loved the baby already and that it was a hard situation they were facing, but that she knew that the baby would be a beautiful blessing and that Katie and Drew would grow even stronger from the experience. Elizabeth and Shayna definitely understood and believed that beauty could come from ashes. So to apply this to trials universe- universally, think about some of your hardest trials. Can you see some of the beauty that came from them? Not that you would necessarily choose those trials again, but can you see that somehow God offered a compensatory blessing for your loss, something that balanced it out or helped or supported you, something beautiful that came out of it? I can see so many ways that God made beauty from ashes in our infertility adoption story. I often tell Noah that I am so grateful that my body didn't work when I was trying to get pregnant because we got Noah Um, from that devastating experience of all of those fertility treatments that ashes experience came the most beautiful gift I've ever been given the opportunity to be a mother to not just any little boy to my little boy my Noah I wouldn't want any other baby I'm so glad that I was infertile because I got Noah. Um, And not only that, but we got his birth families and the beautiful relationships that we've developed with them that have made our lives richer. We would never have had that if we never had adoption. Truly beauty has come from ashes in that experience and so many others in my life when I've had really difficult trials. So if you're going through something difficult, I ask you to think about that. What beauty has come or is coming from the ashes of that experience? And the final message of hope that I want to share today is a scripture that I heard at the funeral of a good family friend. This was actually after we had gotten Noah. And um, I sat in that funeral and I heard this scripture. And tears immediately sprang into my eyes because I felt like it explained perfectly what it had been like to experience infertility and waiting to become a mother. The scripture is from Job 23, 3-10. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work but i cannot behold him he hideth himself on the right hand that i cannot see him but he knoweth the way that i take when he hath tried me i shall come forth as gold and what i loved the most about that verse was the um the longing in the first it, it, it the, what i love most about that passage Is the longing expressed in that first verse where Job is searching for God? He's searching for his will, and he doesn't, it feels like he's not there. It feels like God is hiding. And that's how I felt during those months prior to our adoption when I was trying every avenue the fertility, all these different adoption contacts, moving forward in faith, and nothing was working out. It felt like this that. I go forward, but he's not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. And then that last verse, but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I love that promise that we will come forth as gold from our trials it's similar to beauty from ashes, that beautiful things can come from really difficult experiences. But I feel like this verse is even more applicable to us as individuals, not just that good things will come within our lives as a result of trials, but good things will come within us. We will be refined. We will be turned to gold as a result of the difficult things that we go through. Um This, the experience of infertility and adoption is one that I would not trade. First of all, because it brought us our Noah. But second, because I learned so many personal things that have forever impacted my personality, who I am, the type of friend that I am. I have more faith in God's timing. I'm more patient. I have more compassion for other people. All of these things came as a result of this trial. In fact, as I looked back at my journals, I found an excerpt from my journal where I actually talked about this in the moment. So this was October, 2010. This is before Noah was born. I wrote this. This past year, I've learned more about patience, more than I ever wanted to learn, than I had in my whole life before that. More about empathy and reliance on the Lord. The learning has almost been tangible because it's so evident in my life. So whether or not you're religious, I bet if you search for it, you can see how your trials and challenges have refined you, how they have turned you to gold. You can ask yourself some questions. What am I learning from this experience? How am I going to be a more compassionate friend as a result of having this experience? How am I going to be more humble or a better listener or less judgmental? And if you are religious, how has this brought me closer to my Heavenly Father? These are all ways that our trials refine us and turn us to gold. To end, I just want to recap these three messages of hope that I learned during the adoption process, but that I really feel can be applicable to almost anyone during some of our darkest times in life. I know that I needed to be reminded of these messages this week with the loss of our Katie. First, weeping may endure the night, but joy comes in the morning. Even in the hardest, most terrible of trials, joy will return. Someday, somehow, the night will end. Number two, the scriptural phrase, beauty for ashes. That even in the worst trials, when our lives feel like piles of ashes, beauty can come from it. If we search for it and have faith, God can give us beauty for ashes. And finally, third, the scripture from Job, where he promises that we shall come forth as gold. That we are being refined by our trials. And that if we let them we can gain characteristics that will bless us and will bless other people for the rest of our lives. So this week, please take care of yourself, your families, and those around you. Next Monday, we'll be back to our regular programming on the podcast with an episode about how to create a peaceful home environment. But thank you for letting me share my heart today. I know it was helpful for me, and I hope that it was helpful for at least one person out there who may be facing darkness and searching for messages of light. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you, and hold your families close this week.